Welcome to another edition of The Last Negroes at Harvard. I'm Kent Garrett. This podcast is about being black in America for over 80 years. It is Wednesday, February 28th, 2024. We begin with Joe Biden's predictions of a ceasefire in Gaza. He is either lying or misinformed. Here's a report from the Young Turks. Well, I hope by the, the beginning of the weekend. I mean, the end of the weekend. At least my, my, my national security advisor tells me that we're close. We're close. We're not done yet. And my hope is by next Monday, we'll have a ceasefire. Spoiler alert, they're not close. So I'll get to the statements from Israel and Hamas in just a moment, but President Biden is under the impression that there will be a ceasefire in Gaza within a week in exchange for around 100 hostages who have been held captive by Hamas in the Gaza Strip since October 7th. Now the president delivered these comments spontaneously, as you can tell, I mean, he's at an ice cream shop eating an ice cream cone. In response to questions during a visit at this ice cream shop after taping a segment on Seth Meyers late night talk show. Now Israel's war cabinet over the weekend approved the broad terms of a deal that would involve a six week truce for the release of about 40 hostages. An Israeli delegation is expected to meet in Qatar with intermediaries from the United States, Egypt and Qatar. Now, an agreement for a lengthy ceasefire, time to start with the beginning of the Muslim holy month of Ramadan next week, would halt the Israeli bombardment in Gaza, which has killed more than 30,000 people at this point. It could also provide an opening for more humanitarian aid to flow into the Gaza Strip. At this point, humanitarian aid has kind of come to a grinding halt as a result of UNRWA being unfunded following Israel's unfounded allegations that staffers from UNRWA engaged in the atrocities on October 7th and that about 10% of UNRWA staffers have affiliations with Hamas. Again, none of that has been proven to be true and Israel has failed to provide a shred of evidence to back up those claims. Now, Biden said a halt in hostilities could open the door to a broader realignment in the region with Arab states like Saudi Arabia recognizing Israel. But he also pulled back a bit by describing a so-called two-state solution in which Palestinians would get a nation of their own as more of a long-term goal, not really a priority at the moment. He says, if we can get that temporary ceasefire, we're going to be able to move in a direction where we can change the dynamic and not have a and not have a two-state solution immediately, but a process, a process, if you will, to get to a two-state solution, a process to guarantee Israel's security and the independence of the Palestinians. And it appears that Biden is accepting Israel's empty promises on evacuations on the border town of Rafah because Rafah is where a million displaced Palestinians are currently sheltering. Israel is planning on doing a ground invasion in Rafah and considering the densely populated region that's even more densely populated at the moment. Far more people are gonna die if Israel carries out the war in that area 
similar to how they've carried out the war in other parts of Gaza, which has been a complete and utter disaster for civilians. Biden said, quote, there are too many innocent people that are being killed. And Israel has slowed down the attacks in Rafah. They have to, and they've made a commitment to me. They're going to see to it that there is the ability to evacuate significant portions of Rafah before they go and take out the remainder of Hamas. Unclear how Israel is allegedly gonna help evacuate more than a million Palestinians from a tiny, tiny portion of land in the Gaza Strip. I would almost venture to say that it's complete and utter BS and Israel really has no intention of doing so. But what's also really interesting is both Netanyahu and Hamas have made clear that a ceasefire is not in fact imminent. And Netanyahu said on Sunday that Israeli forces would invade Rafah regardless of any ceasefire and hostage deal. It has to be done, he said, because total victory is our goal and total victory is within reach. But he conceded that if a ceasefire were agreed to, such an operation would be delayed somewhat. We might have millions of people watching this show, but you can be the difference maker because we just need 1% of our audience to be paid members. And then this show can be around forever. So you can make that difference. Click join now. First of all, Biden is likely saying this because of the Michigan primary today. Because both Israel and Hamas immediately afterwards denied that they were close to a deal. I don't know, there's some chance that Biden just totally made it up for political reasons. There's also some chance that he thought, well, they're working on a deal. I hear that maybe there'll be one and I should say it the day before the Michigan primary where a lot of Arab and Muslim Americans vote mm -hmm. because that'll help me seem like I'm getting to a peace solution. But if you, okay, so that's point one. Point two, and, and remember, Israel and Hamas both say it's not true, we're not close. Okay, so whether he made it up or he's wrong, it doesn't really matter because it's not true. Can I just jump in? So the sticking point is Hamas is saying, no, 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 no temporary ceasefire. We want a permanent ceasefire. And Netanyahu has responded to that by saying that their ask is delusional. So there's been no movement on that. Yeah, and, and, and his ask is that everyone in Hamas kill themselves, also delusional. Okay, so we're both we're at a delusional impasse. Exactly. Okay, so oh, I'm going to kill everyone in Hamas. Are you? Are you? And John Stewart did a brilliant job of calling that out the just last night and saying that's totally delusional. So okay, now the other two points that are so important. Biden says, look at the details of what he says. We're going to have Israel move out a million people from Rafah, and then Israel's going to attack Rafah. So where's the ceasefire? What are you talking about? So, and how are you gonna move a million people? So this is your great peace plan? You're gonna let Israel continue the ethnic cleansing. But Rafa is the last part of Gaza that they got squeezed into. Exactly. What do you want, do you want them to go back up north? What kind of lunatic statement is this? And do we have any reporters in this country? When he makes that statement, you gotta ask him, where are they gonna move the million people? And when does Israel re-engage? The slaughter and and do they and then when they move the million people, if that's even a plan, I think that I don't even think that it's that it's an actual plan. But if they did, then do you have a guarantee that though wherever they go will not be bombed? Because in the beginning they said go to the south, we won't bomb it. Then they bombed the south. Then they said go to Rafa and we won't bomb it. And then they bomb Rafa. This is, look, Biden is either a giant giant liar 
or he's just trying to make excuses for Israel. And he says it openly, I mean, he said it the other night, he said, I'm a Zionist, he's super proud of it. And look, I don't care about Zionism and what people call themselves, okay? But he's basically saying, I am doing Israel's bidding. He's not a fair arbiter, he's not helping Palestinians at all. Anyone pretending that Joe Biden is helping Palestinians even 1% is a giant liar and a propagandist. Okay, so then the second part is, he says, a process towards two state solution. Okay, so you see what he just did? He moved the peace deal backwards. America used to be definitely in favor of a two state solution. Now Biden's saying, no, it is not definite. In fact, we are not in favor of a two state solution now. We're in favor of a process that delays the two state solution. So Biden has made the situation worse, definitively. And meanwhile, he says, I'm a Zionist who's gonna send Israel $14 billion so they can bomb the people either in Rafa or as they're leaving Rafa, and we're gonna keep moving them around and keep bombing them. So no, you are not helping peace at all. You're a warmonger, 100% on the side of Netanyahu. All of your BS talk is just yappity yap, other than when you accidentally admit that you're gonna help them ethnically cleanse and commit a genocide and are never gonna get to peace. That's who Joe Biden is. But you must vote for him, because if you don't, Trump is gonna get elected and he's gonna dismantle democracy, except do Democrats actually believe that? Because if they do believe it, would they be running someone as vulnerable as Joe Biden? Yes. I just don't believe them, Cenk. I don't believe that they genuinely think that Trump is gonna dismantle democracy. Okay, I don't I believe don't them. Care. I don't care what the Democrats think, I care what's reality. Trump is 100% not better. Trump hates Muslims so much, he wanted to ban all of us from the country. If there's some chance that Trump would just say, oh yeah, I'm 14 billion, make it 28 billion. Who cares? Who cares? Miriam Adelson gave me money, APAC gave me money, whoever gave me money, murder them all, Trump might say. He's not like he's, it's about, so we're stuck. We're stuck with two awful, awful, warmongering, hateful choices. But the Democrats say you have to lie in favor of Joe Biden to pretend he's the angel. Well, he isn't. He's, he's making this war worse. So anyone who reports that he's in favor of Palestinian rights, flat out lying. This morning we wanna talk about Aaron Bushnell. We have a report on the media's tone deaf coverage of Bushnell's death. For the most part, it was media coverage that was biased and coverage that omitted crucial context. This has been a continuing issue with coverage of the Israeli-Hamas conflict. Here's more from the Humanist Report. On Sunday, 25-year-old Aaron Bushnell, who is an active duty member of the U.S. Air Force, went to the Israel Embassy in D.C. and he lit himself on fire and he streamed it. And these were his last words, quote, my name is Aaron Bushnell. I'm an active duty member of the United States Air Force, and I will no longer be complicit in genocide. I'm about to engage in an extreme act of protest, but compared to what people have been experiencing in Palestine at the hands of their colonizers, it's not extreme at all. Now, I'm not going to play the video for you because it would violate YouTube's terms of service, but it's out there if you want to watch it. But I do believe it's my responsibility to make sure that his message is heard far and wide. And his last words were incredibly important. That was the last message that he shared, but it's not the last thing that he said.
before collapsing. Brett Wilkins of Common Dreams describes the incident. Quote, Get on the ground, you fucker. Someone, presumably an officer, can be heard saying in the video as Bushnell screams and writhes in agony. He managed one final garbled yet unmistakable shout of free Palestine as his body was engulfed in flames. And he was yelling free Palestine, free Palestine over and over and over again until he no longer could. But with his last breath, he spoke out on behalf of Palestinians facing extermination at the hands of a genocidal Israeli government that is being fully supported by our government. And he did this to make sure that his message, that message, could not be ignored. As Abby Martin put it, Aaron Bushnell is the second person to self-immolate over the Gaza genocide. The first was a woman whose name we do not know because her story was buried. Our monstrous rulers are forcing people to engage in the most extreme, desperate act of political protest just to be heard. And that's really what this is about, right? Media just isn't doing a sufficient enough job of informing the American public about the severity of the atrocities being committed in Gaza. And to the extent that they do cover it, major outlets such as the New York Times and the Washington Post have published coverage that is biased towards Israel. And this isn't me saying this. This was proven by an investigative report published by The Intercept. So Bushnell wanted to force the media to pay attention by doing this extreme form of protest, because in theory, you can't talk about his actions and what he did here while ignoring his words. But media certainly tried. For example, Asal Rod, a scholar in Middle East history, writes, four major news outlets have almost the exact same headline for the self-immolation of 25-year-old Aaron Bushnell. Not one of them mentions the words Gaza or genocide, the reason for Aaron's protest, or the word Palestine, his last word spoken. Now, you can see the examples that she provided here. New York Times says a man set himself on fire outside of Israel embassy in Washington, the police said. CNN says U.S. airman sets himself on fire outside of Israeli embassy. Reuters, U.S. airman sets himself on fire outside Israeli embassy in Washington. And the Washington Post says active duty airman sets himself on fire outside D.C.'s Israeli embassy. None of them actually mentioning what she said. Gaza, Palestine, Genocide. Now, another one shared by Walid Shahid here from CBS. Breaking. An active duty U.S. Air Force member has died after he set himself on fire outside the Israeli embassy in Washington, D.C. on Sunday, officials said. Now, Walid adds, how would American media cover a Russian soldier self-immolating in Moscow to protest Putin? It would probably mention a reason for the tragic act of defiance in the headline. But it gets worse because Mike Elk shared a screenshot from an NPR article. There's a line that reads... As of Monday morning, NPR was not able to independently verify the man's motives. Now, Mike tagged them, letting them know what his motives were. He was literally shouting free Palestine as he burned to death. What more do you need? So the stunning level of ignorance that we're seeing, regardless if it's winning or unwinning from media, does a disservice to people who they're supposed to be informing. These headlines suggest that Bushnell's self-immolation occurred in a vacuum. And if you didn't read past the headlines, you'd likely assume that his action wasn't actually a form of political protest. You just think that he was mentally ill. And this is actually how some outlets are reporting on this, implying that he was mentally ill even when they share his dying words. Take MSNBC for example. Yesterday, 25-year-old Aaron Bushnell of San Antonio, Texas, the active duty airman in the U.S. Air Force who set himself on fire outside the Israeli embassy in an apparent protest against the Israel-Hamas war has died. That identification made by Metropolitan Police here. 
which now filmed his own self-immolation on his cell phone, yelling, free Palestine, before collapsing to the ground outside the embassy. He was rushed to the hospital for treatment, but later succumbed to his injuries. And if you or someone you know is in crisis, call or text 988 to reach the suicide aid. Now, look, I'll never be mad at anyone for sharing information that could help someone experiencing a mental health crisis, because that is important. And I'm thankful that they did share his last words. But to make this about mental health and imply that this is what that's about kind of misses the point. And Brett Wilkins shared a couple of examples of tweets in his article from people who explained why that angle is so tone deaf. For example, Joshua Frank of Counterpunch writes, please stop saying Aaron Bushnell was mentally ill. The real mental illness is witnessing a genocide taking place and not doing a thing to stop it. Also, Joseph Azam adds, American media won't question the mental health of those who gleefully blow up neighborhoods full of children and hunt, humiliate, torture, and kill for sport, as we see with the IDF. That isn't viewed through a lens of dysfunction, but protesting it by self-immolation? Of course. Raphael Shimanov writes, Notice after Aaron Bushnell burns himself alive to protest Israel, how everyone cheerleading Israel's carpet bombings of Gaza have overnight become mental health experts. They learned it from the NRA after mass shootings of children. That's who they've become. And worse. Yeah. So shifting focus from Bushnell's protest and his final words to a conversation about his mental health, that is a form of obfuscation and it allows the media to conveniently not address the elephant in the room, the reason why he's protesting in the first place. But I don't want to pretend like all media coverage was bad because even though CNN's written headline purposefully omitted really important context, their on-air coverage did a surprisingly good job at communicating his message in a really objective manner. So let's watch that. Authorities identified Aaron Bushnell as the person who on Sunday set himself on fire. The 25-year-old was an active duty member of the U.S. Air Force. CNN's Gabe Cohen joins us now with the details. And, and Gabe, this is something that he did in protest. Yeah, that's correct. And we're learning much more about this 25-year-old active duty airman, uh, Aaron Bushnell, as you mentioned. He's from San Antonio, Texas, and he live streamed his actions on Sunday in broad daylight on the streets of D.C. outside the Israeli embassy. We are not going to show that video. It is extremely graphic and disturbing. I have watched the video. I can tell you at the beginning, at the start of it, you can see Bushnell walking up to the embassy on the street in his military fatigues. Uh, he's speaking calmly to the camera. I want to read a portion of what he says. He said, uh, quote, I will no longer be complicit in genocide. I'm about to engage in an extreme act of protest, but compared to what people have been experiencing in Palestine at the hands of their colonizers, it is not extreme at all. This is what our ruling class has decided will be normal. He then goes on to pour some sort of accelerant, it looks like, on his head out of a water bottle he was carrying. And then he lights himself on fire, Boris. And as the flames engulf him, you can hear him yelling, free Palestine, free Palestine, again and again, until finally he collapses. And that is when officers, you can see them race in, one of them with a fire extinguisher in their hands, trying to put out the flames. But it takes time. And as we have learned, uh, Bushnell died in the hospital at some point later on. Uh, and, and look, it really speaks to 
the tensions that are continuing to escalate around the war in Gaza, not just across the world, but here in the United States. We saw a similar incident in December when someone self-immolated, lit themselves on fire outside of the Israeli consulate in Atlanta. Mm. But this feels different. This is an active duty member of the military burning himself to death on the streets of the nation's capital. That right there is what we should expect from media. They read his message, read his final words, and they contextualized his protest. That was well done. And credit to Joshua P. Hill for sharing that clip on Twitter. I don't know that I would have seen it if he didn't share it because CNN hasn't posted this to their YouTube channel. But there's one more thing that I want to talk about with regards to Bushnell, and it doesn't involve media. It's about the way that he was treated in his final moments on Earth. And you already kind of got a hint of this when we read that quote about somebody telling him to get down on the ground. But I want to share just one image from the video uh, that was posted by Chuds of TikTok. So you see an armed guard or policeman pointing a gun at him while he was literally burning to death. And if you watch the video, you can hear somebody saying, get down on the ground, you fucker. And to this, Chuds of TikTok writes, this image should become infamous. There is no better example of the brutality inherent in the American system than trained security pointing his gun at Aaron Bushnell as he self-immolates in protest. Now, a man in a white shirt who was trying to help said something to the effect of, I don't need guns, I need fire extinguishers. Yeah, and it's just so telling about the brutality of this country that a man who is literally dying after lighting himself on fire to protest a genocide that his government is supporting gets a gun pointed at him in his final moments. Is he a threat to anyone but himself in that moment? What What is he going to do? It just, it speaks to how little regard we have as a society for human life and as a country, right? And how violence is just, is just always our first instinct. That's the first thing we think to do, be violent. It's just so sad. But what I want to do is encourage everyone to just share Aaron Bushnell's final words on social media. You don't have to share the video because it's very difficult to watch. But... His final words are important, and they've been transcribed in the description, so you can copy and paste them for others to see. Put it on Twitter, on Facebook. Don't let his death be vain, and I think that sharing his words far and wide is one way you make sure that that's the case, that what he did has an impact. So, yeah, we'll leave that there. Rest in peace, Aaron. And finally this morning, a report from Caitlin Johnstone titled, A Profound Act of Sincerity. Her essay is read by Tim Foley. A Profound Act of Sincerity. One of the main reasons the self-immolation of Aaron Bushnell is having such an earth-shaking impact on our society is because it's the single most profound act of sincerity that any of us have ever witnessed. In this fraudulent civilization, where everything is fake and stupid, we are not accustomed to such sincerity. We're accustomed to vapid mainstream culture manufactured in New York and Los Angeles. Airheaded celebrities who never talk about anything real. Self-aggrandizing Instagram activism. Synthetic political factions designed to herd populist discontent into support for status quo politics phony, shit-lib, I-hear-you, I-stand-with-you-but-I-won't-actually-do-anything posturing, 
Endless propaganda and diversion from the mass media and its online equivalents, which are algorithmically boosted by Silicon Valley tech plutocrats. And a mind-controlled dystopia where almost everyone is sleepwalking through life in a psyop-induced fog. That is the sort of experience we have been conditioned to expect here in the shadow of the Western Empire. And then, out of nowhere, some Air Force guy comes along and does something real. Something as authentic and sincere as anything could possibly be, with the very noblest of intentions. He live-streamed himself, lighting himself on fire and burning to death, in order to draw people's attention to how horrific the U.S.-backed atrocities in Gaza actually are, knowing full well how painful it would be, knowing full well he'd either die or survive with horrific burns and wish he'd died, knowing full well that once he connected the flame with the accelerant he poured onto his body, there'd be no turning back. He didn't back down. He didn't go home and stuff his face with snacks and gossip in the group chat and see what types of mindless escapism are available on Netflix or Pornhub. He lit the flame. He even struggled to light it at first, and he still did. There's nothing in our society that can prepare us for that kind of sincerity, that kind of selflessness, that kind of purity of intention. It stops us dead in our tracks, as if the fabric of our world has been ripped asunder. And, in a way, it has. We're not really living in the same world we were living in before Aaron Bushnell lit himself on fire at 1 p.m. on February 25th. It was far too sincere an act, committed in the least sincere city on this planet. It shook things around far too much for all the pieces to fit fully back into place. I myself am permanently changed. I find myself reapproaching the Gaza genocide with fresh eyes, renewed vigor, and invincible determination. I now write with a different kind of fire in my guts. And looking around, I can see it's much the same for others. Where previously we began seeing the opposition to the incineration of Gaza beginning to lose a bit of energy due to despair and how hard it is to keep something energized for months on end, we are now seeing electrifying enthusiasm. More importantly, this is shaking things up in mainstream society, and not just within the pro-Palestine crowd. We are seeing Bushnell's final words about the U.S. Empire's complicity with genocide shared on mainstream networks like CNN and ABC, while Israel apologists run around falling all over themselves trying to tell people nobody cares about what Bushnell did, like a guy sending a woman dozens of texts saying he's totally unbothered that she rejected his advances. A member of the U.S. military lighting himself on fire while screaming free Palestine is absolutely devastating to the information interests of Israel and the United States, because it shakes people awake like nothing else ever could. All around our fake plastic dystopia, people are now opening their eyes, saying, What? Huh? That man did what? Why? I thought nothing matters but my comfort and my feelings and my small circle of people I care about. My country is complicit in a what now? Is it possible I've been missing something important? With his profound act of sincerity, Aaron Bushnell extended the world an invitation to a very different way of looking at life, an invitation to pierce through the veil of superficiality and narcissism to a radical authenticity and a deep compassion for our fellow human beings, to a profound sincerity of our own with which we can shake the world awake in our own unique ways. At 1 p.m. on February 25th, Aaron Bushnell lit more than one kind of fire. A fire that drives us to act. A fire that lights the way. A fire that inspires us. 
A fire that shows us another way of being. A fire which shows us a better world is possible. We won't forget his message. We couldn't if we tried. And that's it for this edition of The Last Negroes at Harvard. I will talk to you next time, and here is one day. <laughs>